Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast as usual. And this time, we're live in studio. It's so awesome to be here with the sound quality and everything. And I just want to thank Vince for letting us be here. The, the studio is awesome. The sound quality is awesome. The experience is awesome. And I'm here with Guru and Vikram. And yeah, Guru, go ahead. Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know, Vince is sort of the guy who got us started. You know, we were always really interested in doing a podcast, but we really knew nothing about it. And Vince was sort of the first guy who got us introduced to like the recording, like how, how you record a podcast and and all, all the little details that go into it. So thank you, Vince. And thank you for letting us use the studio today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. My pleasure. And Vikram, I'm glad, glad to have you back. Thank you, Vikram, and you're you're live from Skype. How's it going, man? You know, living the dream, Varun. It's been a a brutal week, but living what dream, dude? Living the dream of being alive, man. All right, okay, what fair is, enough. We literally get to be in a well. You guys get to be in a studio talking about something we love in basketball. Yeah. What else do you want in life? We wish you were here. We wish you were here live with us. Yeah, I wish I was there too, man. Yeah, the experience is awesome. But let's get into it. All right, trade deadline is done. Big deal. We were talking about the Cavs so much before the trade deadline. Okay, what would they do? Oh, they're falling apart. Oh, no, they're done. And then all of a sudden, Kobe Altman comes out of nowhere and swings three huge deals, or was it three huge deals or four huge deals, to completely revamp the Cavaliers. And now all of a sudden, everybody's saying, oh, my God, the Cavs are the best team in the East. So let's just recap what they did, okay? They traded away Isaiah Thomas, who was not working out, and Channing Frye in a first-round pick to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. I like the trade. Then they traded away Jay Crowder, Iman Shumpert, and Derek Rose, and they got back George Hill and Rodney Hood. So they got four good players, and they won their first two games with them. They went 2-0 against the Celtics and OKC, so those are good wins. Now, my question for you guys where do you rank them in the East with this new look team? So, Vikram, let's start with you first. So, like I said before, the Cavs live and die on LeBron James. I think the most, I think the impact of this trade was really that it re-energized not only him but the entire Cavaliers team. So, I'm going to go back with them being the top of the East because I don't see any other team being able to take seven games from them. And I think I told you that before. I still don't. I still didn't see other teams taking four games out of seven against them. So I still rank them at the top of the East. Because who's really going to unseat them? I don't see Toronto being able to do it. I definitely don't see the Celtics being able to do it. Uh, so realistically, I think they're still the number one for me. Group? Yeah, I mean, the biggest goal of this trade, and the biggest thing that Kobe Altman did was he got rid of all the toxic waste inside of that locker room. And that was really what was inhibiting the Cavs from performing. I mean, nobody was saying that Isaiah Thomas was a bad player. Nobody's saying Dwayne, Dwayne Wade was a bad player. But they weren't meshing together. The chemistry was off. And the locker room was also off. And 
uh, everybody was saying that one trade wasn't going to fix the Cavs, and that's correct. So Kobe Altman, he pulled off like 73 <laughs> trades, and, <laughs> and, and he pretty much revamped the team as much as you could do during a trade deadline. So, I mean, it, it was good for the Cavs in that respect. And just to tag off of what Vikram said, like, no, like people underestimate what an, a happy, motivated LeBron can do. A happy, motivated LeBron is a very, very dangerous LeBron. He looked really happy too in those two games. Yes, with his, with his new teammates, he, he was looked, actually like jumping on the bench, like like a, you know cheering cheering them on and stuff like that. That was a great sign. He looked like the best player in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. And, and that that makes a huge difference because we talk about the holes that the Cavs have now. I mean, uh, does this does this fix their big man problem? Probably not. Does this fix their rim protection problem? Maybe not. But LeBron can cover a lot of your flaws for you, and he. Well, I mean. And uh, he, like the way he gets motivated, and the way the way he plays for for his teammates now, and the way the way, the way he's played for the past couple of games, it's been amazing. And Vikram, you wanted to say something? Yeah, the, the one thing I'd say is you look at a team like the Warriors as well. They don't have a traditional big man either, right? A lot of their rim protection is coming from Kevin Durant. If LeBron James can continue to play defense at a high level like he's been doing throughout his career, I think you're going to find that that's less of a problem than one would think. I would, argue, I would argue that Kevin Durant is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA, though. He's fourth in the NBA Absolutely. in blocks. I'm, I'm not, it's not a knock against him. I'm just saying you can get around that. And when you look at the, uh, the Warriors team that won the, the championship without Kevin Durant, I mean, they had Andrew Bogut. But, I mean, I, I think you can get away with that with, uh, with the Cavs, with the personnel that they have now. As long as they can keep the ball on the perimeter and actually play some good perimeter defense, I think – that will allow them to to play it in a way that's a little bit more conducive to how the NBA is played now and give them a better chance of matching up in the finals. Because I'm assuming a matchup with either the Rockets or the Warriors. Okay, yeah. Um, I just want to touch on the Kevin Durant thing. Actually, uh, I know he's fourth in blocks, but I was going through a lot of these advanced statistics uh, a few days ago, and Kevin Durant's actually not a very good defender when it comes to the rim. He's allowing a lot of points in the paint. So he's getting two blocks, but he's allowing a lot of points in the, in the paint. LeBron on his defensive end has not been great this year. Um, I think he'll get better, though, with new teammates. They're younger. They're more athletic. I think they'll push him as much as he pushes them. It's going to be a great synergy over there. And I agree with you, Vikram. The Cavs are still number one. I mean, I never thought they slipped. I still think they're number one with the trade. And Toronto, as great as they're playing, something always happens to them in the playoffs. I don't know what it is, but they always kind of collapse in the playoffs. And then Boston is on a... A bit of a three-game losing streak here, so I agree that you know the Cavs are number one. One interesting thing—I don't know if you guys heard—did you hear about the Dwayne Wade report that apparently Wade was the one who initiated the uh, charge against Kevin Love? Do you guys hear about that? Uh, I didn't, but that actually is quite surprising. I wouldn't have expected it from from Dwayne Wade, to be honest. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, Dwayne Wade sounds like a person who's a good teammate. I don't. I don't think he would ever out a guy like that unless he was really frustrated about what was going on. And he he got traded to Miami, so uh, good for him. And uh, hopefully he's he's happy again. I was I was pretty surprised that that happened. <laughs> I did not ex- expect Wade. I mean, I don't know if the report is true, but that was that was pretty surprising for me. But okay. I, I think it's, it's yeah, likely go ahead. to be false. To be honest, I think I think it's it's rather likely to be false. Simply because Dwayne Wade is a professional in this league. He's been in the league how many years? I mean. In my opinion, that seems like uh, the wrong place for that criticism to come from, well, especially at the point of his career that he's at. Well, it's not like he necessarily necessarily did anything wrong. He didn't take it public. It was a private matter that was leaked public, right? So he didn't necessarily do anything wrong, even if he initiated this charge. 
So I'm not sure if Wade did anything anything wrong here. I don't think Kevin Love should be the fall guy, but I'm just saying I don't think Wade did anything wrong. And I would like to add publicly, something by privately telling Kevin Love, "Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think you could have played through that illness." But yeah, go ahead, Guru. Yeah, I'd like to add something. Something like we think we know these players, but we really don't. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. fair. That that's fair. I just don't think. Uh, I think he'd be a little smarter than that. And based off what Cleveland did. Do you guys think Boston or Toronto or Washington or some other Eastern team should have made a bigger move at the trade deadline or some kind of move? Guru? I, I really thought that Boston should have made a play for Tyreek Evans. I, I guess we'll go back to uh, how Memphis did not deal Tyreek Evans and how that was a mistake. I but, agree. Yeah, but uh, I thought I thought Boston should have made a play for Tyreek Evans. Obviously, they're looking towards the future. I mean, the future in Boston is bright, and there's no question about that. But the main question is, could they have competed this year? And um, given the construction of their team, it's very it's a very complicated question to answer right right at this point because they're they're a team that's built off their young guys. I mean, we talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum; they're actually very important guys when it comes when it, when it comes to the Boston Celtics. They'll how 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 good they are will determine how far the Celtics go. So um, they're still in a very um, immature stage in their development. So it was it was a tough call to like not make a trade. But. I would say yeah, it's a year for at least for Boston. There's no point in making a trade for a player right now because with the Gordon Hayward injury, I think this year is more of seeing what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to become for next year and how they're going to fit with Gordon Hayward. Rickram, you have anything to add here? You know, for me, it always seems like Danny Ainge is playing the long, long game, uh, and his his plans got significantly moved up by uh, by some luck that the Celtics have had in the draft and uh, just in a, being able to sign some key players and the deterioration of other teams in the East as well and just the exodus of talent from place A to place B. So I think all of those are factors for him. Uh, in terms of this year, I don't think his goal was to, was to actually really compete this year in particular. So yeah, I think I agree he's standing pat because he's, he's kind of taking store of his assets and saying, you know what, I don't need to get Tyreek Evans right now. I don't need to do this right now. I don't want to be forced into this and give up an asset I could potentially have. Whether that's the right decision, I would personally not have done that. I would have made that trade and given up some sort of an asset, given the number of assets that the Celtics really have. But from his perspective, he's like, it's probably a rental. I'm not giving up an asset that I can keep on a, on a rookie contract just because Tyreek Evans might be able to help me in the playoffs this year. But I get Gordon Hayward back next year, so why do I care? So from that perspective, I can see why he did what he did. Uh, as for the other teams, I think the Raptors are, a, are an interesting team that could have done something at the trade deadline because they have young guys that are actually worth stuff with people like Jakob Pertl and Fred Van Lee, and they run a 10-deep rotation. So, I mean, from that perspective, I think they had some assets. But, again, the question is, what do you really get back? And I'm, I'm not sure that they saw anything that they would be willing to give up assets for. So they stood pat because they're happy with where they are, and they want to see how they, they stack up to the Cavs and the Celtics this year. And we'll see how well that plan works out. Apparently they they tried to go after DeAndre Jordan, the Raptors, but they weren't offering oh. Valanchunas or Ibaka, so I was curious what they were going to give up for Jordan and how are they going to match the salary. I'm also yeah, I was more curious about what the hell the rotation is going to look like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're oh, not I, you're not playing Valanchunas and <laughs> DeAndre Jordan DeAndre, together. Exactly. So yeah, that doesn't even make any sense, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was strange. And uh, Isaiah Thomas. Let's talk about Isaiah Thomas a little bit because Isaiah Thomas last year 
He was the savior of Boston in the playoffs, okay? He was averaging like 20, he averaged 29 points throughout the regular season. He had some great games in the playoffs, especially against the Wizards, that 54-point game OT win. He was so remarkable last year on the offensive end. Okay, this year, he misses the first half of the season, and he's playing like crap. I'm sorry, but he's, he's, he's not shooting well at all. Uh, he's not playing very well at all. His defense is still crap as usual. The fall of IT has been pretty bad. What is his, is his value in the free agent market this upcoming summer? Because I, I'm curious what teams are going to pay him. Because, you know, are you paying him based off past performance? Or do you think uh, he's going to play like how he's been playing this season, which is crap, Guru? And not only all of those things you mentioned, which are absolutely correct, but he's been a distraction. Quite, the, quite frankly, not only media, yeah. not only with the Cavs, but with the Lakers, he got into a fight with uh, Rajon Rondo when the Lakers played the Pelicans, and he got ejected, and he had a couple of things to say. It was probably due to that tribute video that was supposed to happen, but never did happen. But anyways, I digress. But uh, yeah, I mean, last year we were discussing whether Isaiah Thomas was worth a max contract, and most of us disagreed with that, but we at least thought he was going to get Kyle, Kyle Lowry money, like $30 million a year. Uh, oh, I don't know about that, uh, but... but <laughs> But, but, that, was, that was a lot. I, I mean, I mean, that's, that's the kind of high he was on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if if he if he was due for a contract last year, let's say he doesn't get the hip injury, then it's a it's a valid conversation to have. Maybe you we have a disagreement about the years of the the length of the contract, but the money was probably going to be uh, about twenty five to thirty million. I would I would believe, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it that hip injury has really, really affected him. He he tried to come back early, then he started complaining that the Cavs don't practice. So how can it come back when the Cavs don't practice? And and his shot has been off as well. And when you're an isolation player like Isaiah Thomas, your your shot needs to be on, and you're all you need to be. You need to have your full arsenal as far as your isolation game goes. Otherwise, you're you're not that valuable of a player. And right now, he looks like a, a really good guy to have off your bench. Which I mean, we saw Lou Williams. Con- he got a contract from the from the Los Angeles Clippers. I think it was three years, twenty four million dollars. We might be looking at a very similar contract for it, maybe even lower. Yeah, Vikram. I think he's likely to sign a one year contract from something for twelve to fifteen million. I think there are enough teams out there that are going to take a flyer on him for twelve to fifteen million next year. That he'll get a one or two year deal. I think that's that's most likely what's going to happen. I don't think he's probably not going to want to sign a longer longer deal than that, because why would you? That would be a you know that'd be disadvantageous to you, right? My right. personal opinion. So I think he'll sign. I think he'll sign that one year deal. Try to get back in some level of um, uh, some some, some some kind of shape, some type of ability to play. Like, yeah. let's put it that way. Right. And I don't want to be too mean to him, but you know. If you watched his first game with the Lakers, he looked really good. He looked a lot better than he did on the Cavs. And I really do think the big thing with Isaiah Thomas is he's not really he's, – he's a ball-dominant guard, right? Like, that's, that's really how he plays. And I feel like a lot of point guards have this problem in Cleveland, right? Because, because LeBron James is so dominant with the ball in terms of initiating the offense and actually creating everything, right? So I think – that's one of the, the disadvantages that Isaiah Thomas had in Cleveland. I don't think he was a great fit, right? And again, you look at why did Kyrie Irving leave the Cavs? I mean, that's, that's part of it, right? He wanted to run his own team. And so it's understandable from Isaiah Thomas's perspective when he was the man, do you really want to not be the man again? Do you really think somebody's going to give him $15 million, even if it's oh, for yeah. one year? Because I, I don't think Isaiah Thomas has any negotiating uh bargain uh, i don't think he had any negotiating power here because 
He has not played well at all. His injury, it still looks like he's not 100%, and I don't know if he'll be 100% by the end of the year. So $15 million to me, at least to me, seems a little too steep, even if it's for one year. I can see one year $10 million. I, And I agree with you. You should take a one-year deal. That's I think that's most advantageous yeah. to him. Uh, you know, $15 million might be the high point of that, but yeah. I could honestly see him getting, you know, uh, I could see him getting $15 million, 12 to $15 million. Uh, You know, are the Nets calling? Are the Magic calling? Like, come on now. <laughs> there, there are teams. There are teams out there that'll that'll take a flyer on him. Who knows? The Kings might come calling. You never know. Oh my God! Do. Don't get me started on the Kings, man. I'm, I'm going to talk about oh, the Kings a little later. Like there, there are enough teams out there that don't have an amazing point guard that may be willing to to sign him true. for a year for that type of money because they don't have any other asset to try and get. It's true. So I speaking say, speaking of the Kings, fine. Let's talk about it right now. Yeah, let's talk about it right hey, now. Hey, Vikram, you heard about that thing with the Kings? Apparently, they tried to include Papa Giannis in the trade paperwork. When the deal was finalized, I mean, what kind of stupidity is running the Kings? Who the hell is in charge of all this crap? Is it Ronadiva or is it that guy Vlade Diva? Because uh, I don't know, you have to be Rana really Diva stupid to pull off up. something like that. I'm going to put on my Vivek Ranadive hat for a second here, and okay, I'm going to talk. Fine. Did you see the USA World Game? Oh my God! Did you see Buddy Hield and Bogdan Bogdanovic? Yeah, he's the next Steph Curry, right? They, he literally <laughs> carried the world on his back. Oh my God! The world team. Look at it. Look at the team. Wow, what a team. Well, yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich. This guy thought Buddy Hill would be the next Steph Curry. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, we'll see. He thought Nick oh, Stauskas was going to be Clay Thompson. I mean, is this how he's running his team? I mean, I don't, is he really scouting? I don't know what's going on with the Kings, but go ahead, Rickham. He's, 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 he's really doing his scout. He's scouting instead of his actual scout, sounds like. No. But uh, in reality, there's definitely. <laughs> I would be worried a little bit about the direction of the Kings. I've always been worried about the direction of the Kings. They haven't been good in several years. They haven't been good since Ronnie David took over. I mean, they have been the worst. For, I mean, okay, James Dolan and the Knicks, at least they've had winning seasons, okay? As bad as an owner he is, at least they have had winning seasons under him. Uh, under Ronnie David, they haven't won crap. They haven't won shit since, they, since, they, uh, since he bought the team. And, and, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my Vivek Ranadive hat off, okay. and I'm gonna like say it's it's Vlade. It's Vlade. Vlade you think he's the problem? I think he's the problem because he's never been a general manager, and when when you've never been a general manager and you step into that role right away, I mean, even Bob Myers was the assistant general manager for I think one or two seasons seasons before he became the general manager. You need to know about like the intricacies of the NBA. And like you know, stuff like paperwork. That's the, I mean, stuff like you know, salary cap. That's actually very, very important. And I fear that he doesn't really understand all these well, things. Wait, are you saying he did it on accident? Like he was an accident? Like he accidentally added Papa Giannis to the trade paperwork when the trade was finalized? Because it sounds like he did I, it on I, purpose. I'm, I'm saying something very general. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he knows what he's doing. That's it's it's a very general. I think he knew exactly what he was doing <laughs> when he added Papa Giannis <laughs> to the paperwork. Man. He knew exactly what he was doing. Go ahead, Victor. So, let me say something about the Kings here. If you look at their draft in the last, they've had a bunch of first-round picks, right? I'm going back to like when they drafted Ben McLemore type thing. Like, look at all of the the lottery first-round picks that they've struck out on. It looks like their best pick in that time is Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? Like, that's that's how bad that they're drafting. Not that he's a bad player, and he can, and he certainly could be a piece of the future for them. Sure. But I mean, this is the standard that they're playing at right now. This is like, because I, they don't have a good coaching staff, and I don't think they have the right setting for young players. Because look at Ben McLemore is doing all right in Memphis. I mean, he's not terrible. He's doing all right, right? So, I mean, Sacramento is not setting a good example. They're not creating a good culture for their players. Is, would you agree, Vikram? 
Yeah, and I think that's why they tried to bring in those vets, like Vince Carter, Zach Randolph, and George Hill. What did they do? They said, promptly they said, actually, guys, we're going to try and tank, so sorry, but you guys aren't going to play. So what's the point of making those players mad? Because their job is to really mentor your young players, right? Nobody really thought, and if George Hill really thought they were going to compete for the playoffs, he's an absolute idiot. But I just think, realistically, that's why they were there. So you have to keep the vets happy so they mentor your young players and create a culture where people want to show up to that team. I remember when we were talking about uh, at the beginning of the season, we were like, wow, the Kings are turning around. They did a really good job by bringing in these veterans. And what are they doing Uh, Who said that? Who said that? Did you say that? We said that. You and I. (laughs) I don't know if I said I liked it. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I was always doubtful of the Kings. But, yeah, keep going. Go ahead. But uh, but in the sense that they were good, we we said that they were good signings. Sure. Yeah. Not that they was going to train like change the direction of the franchise per se. Yeah. But really, just making moves forward because as a franchise, that's all you really can do every single year is try to get better than you were the last year, and that's not always going to work. Every every franchise has ebbs and flows, but in this case, we thought that they were taking some level of steps forward, but it seems like they keep taking steps back. Like, what is the point of getting good draft picks if you actually draft poorly? Yep. So. There are, there are a number of things the Kings have to work on. I and agree. when I talk about Isaiah Thomas, would you really say the Kings aren't going to take a flyer on this guy for $12 million for one year? Or you know what? For one year? Yeah, you're right. Now that you mention it, I, I could see that happening. Sure. But, but can Isaiah so Thomas see that happening after all the bad things he's had to say true. about the Kings? Yeah. Can IT see that happening? That's also a good point. Absolutely. For $15 mil, <laughs> If it's between that and $8 million and a chance for him to play uh, – to run a team and earn more money the next year, I think he would do it for a year. I think he's a competitive player who wants to win. So I, I think I, I, I see where you're getting at, but I think he would really consider, think about taking that $8 million deal if it was with a playoff team or a good team that has a chance to compete. But uh, cool, yeah, like, what do you think? Um, let's I'm see. Curious, like, That's a good point. Like, I mean, um, maybe like if Philly has the money and they can bring him off the bench, that would be cool because they need some more offensive firepower off the bench. I just don't think he's interested in the bench role. That's also true. I don't and, know if, uh, if he wants to come off the bench. Is he really? But he getting, should. Is he is he really getting a starting role in Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox? No, right. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Depends how depends how they couch it, right? It, depends it, how far De'Aaron Fox is along in his development. And that's another uh, thing, right? Where where's the starting role for him? Like you could just go around the NBA, any team. Where's the starting role for that, him? Even the Phoenix Suns have Alfred Payton now. Yeah. 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 The Nets maybe. Orlando, I think Orlando doesn't have a starting point Orlando, guard. Orlando, the yeah. Nets. Uh, Nets have Spencer Din- Dinwiddie, so he's he's been playing yeah, pretty well. Yeah, Dinwiddie can can play can can does not have to play the point guard, and he's still pretty good. Okay, all right, let's so, move on. All right, Victor, yeah. let's 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 go on. We're uh, <laughs> we're like digressing, but uh, let's talk about the NBA at the All Star break. We're seeing a playoff picture come into form, right? Uh, the West is really competitive right now because. Um, seeds three to ten. There's only a four and a half game difference. So seed number three is the Spurs. Seed number ten is the Jazz, and the only difference between them is four and a half games. So that the West is remarkably competitive right now, three to ten. So the Spurs have lost three in a row, and they're losing steam. They're getting injured. It's it's not entirely conceive, conceivable to think that they could drop significantly in the playoff picture. That could very much happen. But Warriors have lost their number one spot. Rockets are number one right now. Are they the best team in the NBA right now, Guru? Who, the Rockets? Yeah. Maybe maybe in the regular season, but when the playoffs start, I mean, the playoffs start, I mean, I, I feel that the Warriors are really, like, pacing themselves right now. They they know that 
hey, there's like only 28 games remaining in the season. Uh, no, or 28 or 24. Uh, I want to say, no, I, okay, whatever. There, there are only so many games left in the season after the All-Star break. That is the point where you want to get hot. That is the point where you want to give yourself great momentum going into into the playoffs. Are the Rockets sure. a great team? Yes. Will they give the Warriors a run for their money in a Western Conference final series? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. But I still think the Warriors are the best team. And I don't think I don't think the regular season should have any bearing on that um uh on that um thought. Okay. Vikram, based off what you've seen off the Rockets, um if they face each other in the playoffs, Rockets and Warriors where do you think that series goes? Uh, in terms of, you're talking about... Uh, end result. Or? Yeah, the end result. End result. I think it'll be a six or seven game series. Uh, I do think the Warriors are, are going to be able to pull it out. Because one thing, the Rockets... Uh, and we and we kind of saw this when, when the Spurs lost big in the first game and then game planned of how to stop them and take away their specific place. I don't know that the, the Houston Rockets have enough depth in their offensive strategy to actually play seven games against the same opponent. The reason I say that is their, their basic play is I'm going to run a pick and roll with Clint Capella with either James Harden or Chris Paul, and I'm going to hit the open man. That's their offense. Yeah. And it's extremely effective in the regular season. But I'm wondering if, if you can take that away, as, as the words, if you can take away an option or find a way to disrupt that momentum in a, you know, a longer series, how do the Rockets respond? Is there, any, is there enough offensive depth there? And in terms of being able to create plays and create looks for people, that they're going to make that. In addition to that, they have to make shots consistently in the playoffs. That's something that they haven't been able to do, in my opinion. Uh, and thirdly, do they have enough on the defensive end to stop the offensive work that the Warriors are going to put in. So I think those are all questions that, that they would have to answer first for me to say that they have a, a legitimate chance of upending the Warriors. They can get very hot, though, and that is their advantage, that they can hit a number of threes. They can get a lot of pu- uh, a lot of buckets from Clint Capella. And James Harden and Chris Paul can individually take over games. So they have some advantages. I, 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 I don't I, know that they can overcome it. Yeah. I agree with everything that Vikram had to say there, but I will say that they have gotten better on defense this year as opposed to last year. They 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 signed Luke Richard Mabamute, is actually playing really good minutes for them, and they PJ also have P, PJ, they also have PJ Tucker, right? So they have they have great wing defenders that they can bring either off the bench or or start in any game, and it's up to it's up to Mike Mike D'Antoni to scheme it up a little bit and, and change it up. As as the series goes on, because I feel I, I feel the same way Rune Rune feels. I feel that they sort of run the same thing every time, and expect it to work. But in the playoffs, you sort of need to scheme. You sort of need to change things up, and that's where I mean Mike D'Antoni sort of struggled in the past. I mean in in the playoff series that he's played, he's he's sort of run run that same exact thing. And because he had Steve Nash, he sort of got away with it. But well, uh, no, the Phoenix Suns never reached the finals. If you if you, if you well, really want, point, right? yeah, it's, it's pretty much exact same scenario right you're looking at that and they ran into the same problem right like people can game plan against a single play and they really only do run one play like it's not like their offense is real complicated you look at if you look at like a warriors offense and just the number of of ways that they can beat you i think that's your your real issue if you're the if you're the Rockets. i just don't know that you have the offensive depth to take advantage of take advantage of all of your tools and they're literally getting the best out of Clint Capella that they possibly can, right? So, I mean, they're doing a good job with that. 
And and another thing that has changed from from the Rockets' perspective this year is that when James Harden went to the bench last year, they had no playmaker. This year they have Chris Paul, and Chris Paul is able to take that playmaking role and continue to run the same the same sort of stuff that James Harden can run. So that, that's that's another advantage that uh, that the Rockets have. When James Harden goes to the bench, they don't they don't miss a step. Okay, I want to talk. Yeah, go ahead, Vikram. Well, I, I definitely agree that he's going to make a difference in the series. I'm not saying that they're not a better team this year than they were in the past. I just don't know that they're able to uh, that they're going to be able to take advantage of the Warriors. I just don't think that they've proven that much, and they look really good right now. Uh, but I just want to see how that. I really want to see how they perform in the first round of the playoffs. I yeah. think that'll tell us a lot about how this team uh, how this team is constructed. I want to see how they play against the Spurs if that matchup ever happens, because the Spurs are such a veteran team and they know how to game against uh, yeah, elite players Popovich like Harden. Like, yeah, Greg Popovich would be this team's yeah. worst nightmare. Yeah, but I want to talk about OKC because OKC, um, I know they're a little inconsistent. Uh, they're they're number they're number four, I believe, or number five. Number five. Number five. Yeah, just just behind Minnesota and San Antonio, but. In the regular season, they faced off the Warriors twice. They've blown them out. They've beaten the Rockets. They beat, I think, I don't know if they've beaten the Cavaliers. They lost just recently. I don't know if they beat them already early in the season. But they've beaten a lot of the really good teams. So uh, I'm actually, I'm curious to think, I'm curious to ask you guys how good you think OKC will be in the playoffs because I think they could be a real sleeper to make the conference finals because they have that talent. Paul George is playing like a DPOI candidate right now. He has been fantastic on the defensive end. And he has really fit into his role so well. Where let's start with you, Vikram. Uh, what do you think of OKC in the playoffs? I think they're going to be extremely dangerous because they have they have the one thing that you really do need in the playoffs, and that's an ability to dump the ball to an isolation player when you need a bucket. Uh, the defense gets harder. The foul calls get get a lot harder. And that's one thing I forgot to mention that I think is really important for the Rockets. Sorry to digress here, but it is important. James Harden is not going to get the number of free throws in the playoffs that he does during the regular season. So, I mean, that's something that's super important. And going back to why I think the uh, why I think the, uh, the Thunder are going to be really dangerous in the playoffs, I think one of the advantages that they have is they have proven scorers like Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook that are going to be able to each go one-on-one if you need to get a bucket. And I think that's going to be a real advantage for this team in the future during the playoffs and their team is really built for the playoffs more than I think other uh than other clubs are so I think that's one advantage that they have I think they're going to be dangerous I wouldn't want to face them in the first round let's put it that way one thing that well one thing that uh really uh should put fear in other 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 teams hearts when talking about the Thunder is their defense which is which is one of the best in the NBA. They, number three or they, number four, I think. They, yeah. they they really get after it on the defensive end, and that's one thing that's really going to help them come playoff time. Also, their their general length and their hustle allows them to like get second opportunities at uh, at baskets, and that really helps them against teams like the Warriors, who aren't quite as good uh, on the defensive rebounding side of the ball. And that's that's really how the Thunder have beaten the Warriors the first couple of games that they played. Um, as far as how dangerous they are in the playoffs, they're really dangerous as for like, and especially if they get the four or five matchup and they win that, then they play the Warriors in or the Rockets, I guess, in the second round. That's that's a really difficult second round matchup. I mean, if you look at the uh, second round matchups that the Warriors have had in the past, I mean, uh, last year, uh, it what two years it was ago, jazz last, last year was year, right? a dra- Jazz. A couple of years ago, it was the Blazers. And the year before that, it was the Grizzlies. So not quite very, not not quite inspiring opponents. 
OKC would definitely be a very inspiring opponent. True. To go up against. True. I agree with that. Uh, I don't know that they would be able to beat the Warriors again, but I think it would be a very interesting matchup. Well, don't you think the two regular season games have been very telling so far? Because they've blown out the Warriors in both games. I, I don't think they've been telling. No? That, okay. I, 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 I think, I think, I the, think Warriors the Warriors would play really much harder in the playoffs. Yeah, I just don't think they care that much, and they're not really getting up for those games anyhow. Okay, let, okay let's say OKC and Golden State, go. Uh, they face each other in the second round. Hypothetically, um, how many games do you think OKC can take? Two. Two? So it's a six-game series? Yeah. Okay. I think they can make it a six-game series. Okay, fair enough. I, I think I think it'll be a very competitive series. I would love to watch an OKC-Golden State round two uh, matchup. That would be great. I think it, would, it could be a seven-game series, the potentially. Road to, the road to the finals is going to be much harder for the Warriors this Definitely. year. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Houston, oh, yeah. OKC, Minnesota is a little too inconsistent, so maybe not them. San Antonio... Kawhi Leonard, what is going on? I mean, he is still injured, and San Antonio is now they're kind of banged up. Aldridge is missing games. They've lost three in a row. They have not looked good the last two weeks, and with seeds three to ten being so close as they are, I think it's very possible they could drop to number six, seven, or eight. Maybe even, maybe even more. Maybe. Uh, I don't think Greg Popovich would allow that, that to happen. Okay. I mean, the fact that they're a three seed right now is a borderline miracle. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. should be coach of the year just for that. Just, I mean, for, just, for, just for that. I mean, and they're not quite out of the woods yet, I would agree. But I think with Greg Popovich and his experience, he, he won't let that happen. Uh, the team that I don't think is quite out of the woods yet is Minnesota. Okay. I think I I think uh, like Jimmy Butler has to write that ship a little bit more because as you said, there's only like a, a four game difference between third or fourth place and being out of the playoffs. Yeah. So I mean, if you get if you get on a losing streak, you, you could be like playing for your playoff life very very quickly. And the team that's going to be like the in the final seeds of the Western Conference this year are going to come into the playoffs hot because you are going to have the, the teams that get into the playoffs this year are 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 going to have to play very well to get in. Utah's won 11 in a row, and they are they are crawling up. LA is just there too. I mean, they've been playing really well since the Griffin trade. Pelicans are in trouble. Yeah, Pelicans are in trouble, but they just won three in a row. Mm-hmm. But D- Davis yeah. is playing like a superstar. He is he's playing like the best player in the well, NBA he is right a now. Superstar, right? I mean, that's you know, in fairness to him, like that's that's what he is. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, he's he was carrying that team before. He'll carry them again. Uh, it's unfortunate he has to do it without um, without Demarcus Cousins, but in truth, that's what it is. But he's used to it. He'll do it again, and he'll continue to do it until until someone makes him not do it. So the the yeah the bottom Vikram the bottom of the playoff picture is very very hot, right? Denver, Portland, and New Orleans are six, seven, and eight. Clippers and uh, Jazz are right behind them. Uh, out of those five teams, which which uh, which two miss out? Say the teams again. So Denver, Portland, and New Orleans—they're six, seven, eight respectively, right? And then. Number nine is the Clippers. Number 10 is the Jazz. And uh, Clippers and Jazz have been very, very hot the last two weeks. Okay, so if you had to pick two teams to miss the playoffs today, who would they be? I think New Orleans and the Clippers okay. are, are, my, are probably my misses. Uh, I'm going to have to say the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's... It, I actually... I'm, I'm not, I think New Orleans definitely misses because as hot as Davis is playing right now... Can he keep he this up for 24 that. more games? And is he is he going to stay healthy because he has an injury issue? So New Orleans, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think he can sustain that. I think you're you're 100% correct on that. Yeah, but I think Portland misses out. I think Portland and New Orleans will miss out, and yeah. the Clippers and Jazz make it because uh, I just don't trust Portland. I mean, I, 
even if they make it, there it's very possible, very likely there'll be a first round sweep. See, the reason I'm saying Portland makes it is because they've been in this position for several seasons now, and they know how to. That is also they know, true. They know too. how to handle sure. it. Yeah, that's yeah. also true. And and in the East, the Cavs. I know we all. Okay, do you agree, Guru, that the Cavs are number one? Because me and Vikram said yes. Do you agree that they're number one? I don't think they'll be the number one seed, but or the best team in the East. They could, come playoff time. Yeah, I think they would be the best team in the East. But I'm going. I, I want to see how the Raptors perform in the playoffs. Who would be their best challenger in the playoffs? Hmm. Of all the teams in the East, because it's looking a little muddy now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they're I think their best challenger is is a really good Raptors team, and I when I say really good, I I say that with a lot of um with a lot of doubt. Yeah. But uh, I, we want the Raptors to be good in the playoffs. I think I think it'll be good for Toronto and um, good for the Eastern Conference as well. But uh, yeah, I mean they have a history of not performing every in the playoffs. year. Yeah. Every damn year, they underperform. It's really, it's really Kyle Lowry. Let's be honest here. <laughs> oh, it, it is the Raptors, but like Kyle Lowry is is like the playoff disappearing. He's like a magician. He disappears. Well, it's not. It's not like DeRozan was super consistent either. Remember that Milwaukee series? He had like an eight point game against. Oh yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, he he has been. He was really bad last year too. This I don't know what goes on with Toronto because they're a top ten offense and defensive team, and they play so well in the regular season. And then something happens come playoff time. Because last year, I thought they would be very competitive against the Cavaliers, and they got swept. And I was so damn disappointed that happened. I, I, I don't know what will happen this year. They are a better three-point team this year, so maybe some things will change. But I'm, I'm very curious to see who will step up and challenge the Cavs this they, year. They've changed up their offense a little bit. Yeah. And you have to, but, but I mean, you still have to wonder whether that translates to the playoffs. Are they... When when things go bad, are they going to go ISO DeMar DeRozan again and again? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they, they sort of cannot fall into that trap. They have a tendency to do that. That's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, interesting question here. I guess I want to ask you guys. Who is the worst team in the NBA heading into the All-Star break? Uh, Vikram. Vikram, you want to go first? Oh, sure. Uh, the Kings are my pick for worst okay. team in the NBA. Mm. They got nothing. They got no direction. They got no, uh, They really don't. In my opinion, they don't really have a promising core either. In my opinion, they just don't have a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> well, I mean that's definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. We can't. I can't disagree with that. Damn. In fact, you really uh, can't disagree with any of the picks we make. Is, yeah, my honest opinion is, what is it that they have that is that is appealing to you as a franchise? Deer and Fox, if he can be consistent, looks interesting. But other than that's that, it. yeah. Okay, cool. Outside Darren of that, Fox, nothing. I'm really, I'm really happy with uh, De'Aaron Fox right there. Got it. <laughs> okay, I get the sarcasm. If that, if, like, seriously, if that's your, if that's the best you've got as a franchise, like, what are we, what are you doing as a franchise? Like that's, that's my real question. Well, he's yeah. a rookie. Well, yeah, I, I'm not. It's not about De'Aaron Fox. He's just saying, as a franchise, you're, go, you're, you're looking at a rookie that isn't, that isn't a superstar yet. He's not a Ben Simmons, right? Yeah. He's not a. He's not like the top rookie of the draft either. Like that's your best asset on your team, and and uh, Bogdanovich. So I don't want to undersell them, but there's not a whole lot there to sell at all. And more more importantly, their front office sucks. Yeah. Who wants to play for Sacramento? Exactly. We talked about it. Who wants to play for <laughs> Vlade Divac and Rana Divi? I don't know what the hell those guys are doing. But what about you, Gru? Uh, since he already said the Kings, I'm I'm going to say the Mavs just because. It looks like they're playing Dirk and they're playing Dennis Smith and then the rest of the people on on the court. I I struggle to recognize them or know their names. Yeah. So uh, their roster is definitely barren. 
but uh, they've they've got the front office and they got the mechanism to turn it around via the draft. I'm pretty confident about that. But right now they they don't look very and they good. they are competitive. You know, despite the fact that they have pretty much nothing outside of Dennis Smith, they they do they are competitive. They do try. I I, I think it's Phoenix. Oh yeah, go ahead, Rick. Production. Uh, I was saying the Mavs are getting production out of people like Salah Medjury. Like they're doing a pretty good job for where they are at right now. I would say they're they're doing quite well. Yeah. Okay, and I I think Phoenix is the worst because they lost by forty something points to the Warriors, then they lost by forty something points to the Spurs, and their season opener they lost by what forty seven points to the Trailblazers. I mean they they have talent. Devin Booker, Alfred Payton's kind of played well recently. That's why I left them out. They ha- they actually do have they have talent, talent. but they, they're getting blown out forty something points three times already, maybe even more. I, I, this is off the top of my head. They have played the worst by far, in my opinion. And now I think they have the worst differential now in the in the NBA, worse than the Kings. So they have been they've been terrible despite having an all star talent like Devin Booker. It's pretty sad to me. So I would say again, my the main and this is the main reason I picked the Kings over over someone like the Suns is just that they actually have assets. So sure, I, but well, but, I, but your point is well taken. Yeah. I think if you're asking me what team is is underperforming based on what they have, I think the Phoenix Suns have assets and are just not performing well. They have a lot of assets. Josh Jackson, too. They have a lot of good young players. Yeah, they, they Nothing lot, is happening. They have a lot of players that should be good, like Marquise Chris as well. Like they, they just, for some reason, cannot get it to click. Yeah. And I don't know what their problem is. Another franchise that's not handled well. I think the like early in the season, the there were calls to have their owner sell the team, which, I mean, it's not going to happen. But another franchise that's not being handled well. Pretty yeah. sad. Yeah. Anyways, let's let's talk about Markel Fultz because um, he was a number one pick. It's been such a the deep draft. Man. Yeah, we we've seen so many good players in this draft, right? I mean, Jason Tatum, uh, uh, Jason Tatum. Who else? Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons. So many good players. Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. Uh, Laurie Markkinen from Chicago. Mar- Kyle Kuzma, of course. But Markel Fultz, the number one pick, has been probably the biggest disappointment by far. He's only played in four games. There's been some strange shoulder injury with him, and he's not expected to play the rest of the season now. Um, what are his expectations for next year? Guru, let's start with you. I mean, where does he even play next year? It's it's really tough to say because Ben Simmons seems to have a stranglehold on that point guard spot for for the for the Sixers. I mean, he's he's taken that role and he's played pretty well. Yeah. And JJ Redick looks to be a really good guy to have next to him. I mean, we envision that Markel Fultz is going to play off the ball next to. Um, Simmons and like handle the ball whenever he wants to and but be sort of an off the ball guy and sort of flourish in that role but now it's sort of JJ Redick is sort of taking that role he is a one year contract but I would imagine that if Fultz's situation doesn't get any better Philly wouldn't be well served to sign him to a multi-year deal and uh, it doesn't really look good for Mar- Marco Fultz right now he, right now he he's, he's looking like a bench player and if, if you're the number one pick that's sort of a disappointment not even a bench oh, player. He he looks like he's play. unplayable. Go ahead, Vikram. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even seen him play. I was talking about I his best case scenario, I guess. I don't think that's true. I mean, like watching him play, he he is worthy of that talent. Like his talent level is definitely worthy of, of a number one pick. Like I don't think he's he's not an in my opinion he's not an Anthony Bennett. Let me put it that way. I, I agree with that. He's got some yep. real skill, and I, I just think he's got a very unfortunate uh, luck of the the draw here. Yeah, that I, makes sense. I saw the season opener, uh, Philly and Washington, and I saw Markel Fultz play. 
And whenever he attacked the paint, he was he was remarkable in the paint. Like they could not stop him, despite the fact that his shoulder was injured. So he was remarkable yeah, attacking the paint. Thing. He just couldn't shoot the ball. Yeah, he just couldn't like, shoot he the ball. Looked like he could not bring his arm above his <laughs> above shoulder level. So I'm like, how are you supposed to, to do anything? And my the amazing part to me is he still scored somehow. Exactly. Like, despite that he fact, like six points or something. I'm like, yeah. How did you score when you couldn't lift your arm? Yeah. And and uh, regarding the Sixers, let's just talk about their history because. Who, what the hell is up with their medical staff? I mean, whenever whenever they select somebody, they, that guy gets injured, right? Jaleel Okafor, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, uh, Nerlens Noel, now Markel Fultz. I'm sure there's some other player I'm missing. Man, what is going on with their medical staff? I, I don't know what's been going on over there. I mean, from from Joel Embiid's perspective, right? He fell to he fell to the Sixers because of his injury concerns, and the Sixers exactly. didn't really mind. You're like, okay, I mean, okay. I mean, Aside from that, point, take one name out. <laughs> Go ahead, Vikram. What were you saying? Uh, best talent available, exactly what Guru said. They, they're taking, they're basically taking flyers on players that may or may not recover because they have a, a plethora of picks to, to do so with. No, but, but Markel Fultz didn't have any injury issues bef- uh, when he was drafted. Neither did Nerlens, was Nerlens Noel? Yeah, he did. Nerlens Noel did. He, he did. Ben Simmons did not. Did not. Jaleel Okafor ben, also yeah, did not. not. Uh, Jaleel Okafor had some knee problems, I believe, at some okay. point. I don't remember the exact thing with it, but... But but anyways, like he was supposed to go to the Lakers that year, and he fell to the Sixers. So the Sixers like picked the best player available again. Sure. Yeah. But like yeah, the thing with Fultz, it just really sounds like a freak thing. I mean, we saw his college tape; we were all impressed. He looked like mm-hmm. he looked like he was going to be a really good pick and roll uh, point guard or off guard, right? Sort of a la James Harden. But but for yeah, for some reason he forgot how to yeah. shoot, and it's. And, it's not. I'm like. I'm not a doctor. I cannot explain it. I mean, is it a muscle memory thing? Is it still hurt? Is it, is it a psychological thing? We don't know. We we. But the Sixers should not be filming his shooting practices. That's <laughs> that's not a, a good way to build confidence at all. <laughs> Anything to add, Vikram? Uh, in the Markel Fultz thing, have you heard he's using virtual reality to? Yeah, I heard about that. Jump shot. Yeah, I, I just think. You know, if if it works, and I, I really hope it does, because I think you know more talent in the league is better than less talent. Definitely, right? I would never never wish a lack of success on a player that has an injury history. So I mean, and when you saw him play, yeah, when you saw him play in in the University of Washington, I saw some of his games. He looked so remarkable. He was pretty much unstoppable as a as a two guard. He could play a point guard or shooting guard. He was he's a big guy, and he was unstoppable. He was killing it on the offensive end, and he can he has. What Go ahead. What impressed me is uh, he kind of reminds me of that uh, NBA archetype shot creator. Yeah. Just the ability to get to a spot and make and and basically create space. Yeah. And then get your shot up. I think that was the one thing for for me that I really liked about his game. Yeah, he had, he has a lot of Dwayne Wade in him too, like in that sense that he can create his space and make his shot. He he's a very impressive player, and I I, I mean Philly is still in the playoffs uh, without him, so Philly is Philly's a. Uh, uh, young core is paying off. And I mean, speaking of the playoffs, by the way, guys, you know, Adam Silver in a press conference, he was talking about the playoffs and, and he said that, you know, they've been discussing about maybe having a format where the best two teams beat in the finals. So maybe that means they get rid of conferences, maybe just one through uh, 16 instead of one through eight Western, one through eight Eastern, one through 16. Um, what do you think of that, Guru? Uh, uh, what I think of that is that 20 of the 30 owners 
would have to approve that. And I think the league is going to really, really struggle to to get that sort of approval because, especially from the Eastern Conference teams, because if you look geographically right at the United States, the Western Conference is actually much more vast than the Eastern Conference because the Western Conference, it goes like all the way up to New Orleans or even Memphis, right? Even Memphis is like yeah. east, east, of New Orleans, east of New Orleans. So it's it's very, very vast. So it's not, it's not like the Western Conference teams are going to suffer that much for the extra travel to go east maybe. But the Eastern Conference teams have a lot to lose because... If if they if they accept this proposal, they might it might be like a Boston Golden State series uh, rather than you know a Boston um, Toronto series. I, I don't know. I'm just like picking examples yeah. out of a hat. So uh, it's it's much less travel for them and uh, much more adv- advantageous. So I do not think the Eastern Conference teams would look upon this favorably. Now we can talk about the East West balance, how the West has been better than the East for such a long time. But I mean. That's a that's a sort of short-sighted way of looking at it because one fine day the East could be better than the West. Who knows, right? Sure. One day could happen, but I think it will be because of this travel reason that it it never gets traction, and the league is going to have to be very creative with this. I don't know how though. Sure, Vikram. Uh, so they they were looking. The thing that uh, Adam Silver was talking about was uh, he wanted to add extra travel days to see if they could facilitate uh, having this type of schedule. I think I think it's possible and doable. I think from the East, the, re- the main reason I don't think it's going to happen is from the East perspective, uh, like right now, and this could be, you know, it could be flip-flopped in the future, but from the perspective of the East, why would I, if I'm like the Cavs or if I'm the Celtics, why would I want a harder pass to the finals than I already have? Yeah. I think that's the crux of the question, like, right? Like, why would I want their, like, I- I'm, I'm accepting, I'm basically taking risk. Well, right now, sure, the pendulum sw- uh, swings West, but let's say let's say in a few years the east is the powerhouse then obviously then the west will say oh why would we want that but i mean the whole point i like the idea of having one to 16 because then you you would have the best teams at the end i'm fully in favor of the idea yeah uh and in fact i actually i would love to see and i think it should happen i'm just saying uh from the east perspective they they probably won't do it now and then from the the west perspective they'd love it they (laughs) Yeah, of course they'll love it now, and uh, they would they would vote for it now. But would they vote for it in the future? Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's my point. Like if the yeah. pendulum swings, but it, so it kind of it, it's kind of what Guru said. Are you going to get twenty teams out of the thirty to agree with this? I actually think you may. So we'll we'll have to take a look at it. The but West I has fifteen. I mean, each conference has fifteen teams, right? So I mean, a third of them. Uh, yeah, you you need to you you need to get twenty out of th- out of the thirty. So let's yeah, say everybody in the West accepts, which is yeah. I mean it's not a done deal that every team in the West would accept this yeah. this sort of an arrangement. Then you would only need five teams out of the East. But the question is, are you even going to get that? Uh, it's 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 very tough to to say right now. And this looks like it's really in the beginning stages. It looks like it's still in the it's still in like the uh, what you call the research and development uh, branch of the NBA sure. still. And it doesn't look like there's going to be a vote on it this this summer, which means it's still going to be very much into the future. Like the earliest it could possibly happen is like 2021, 2022, something like that. Okay. And by the way, what if they did, because I think March Madness, this is how March Madness works. I don't think they play in the host uh, stadium, right? They have, they they play in a certain area, right? Is that how March yeah, Madness yeah, works? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you have like uh, neutral sites. So why don't they should do that for the NBA playoffs? So do one to sixteen instead of having it at the host stadium, they could have it at neutral areas, right? Then, so if Portland has to play Boston, for example, 
they could do it in a neutral area somewhere in the middle. A Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's that wouldn't make it feasible, right? I understand that's probably not going to happen because I mean that that's not a great way to make money. I mean, I mean part of what you're playing for, part Portland, of what you're yeah. playing for in the regular season is home court advantage. Exactly. And yes. If, if let's 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 take a, a team like the Warriors knew that even if you get the one seed, we're not going to play at Oracle. They'd probably like treat the regular season even lesser than they do. Yeah. Now. And, and owners wouldn't do it because they lose out on a lot of money when they can host the game at their you know at their own stadium. But I think that would, one to sixteen, they should find a way to do it because that would be awesome, at least for NBA fans like us. Vikram. It's never going to, that, that I don't think is ever going to happen. Yeah, I agree. It's never going to happen, but they should find a way to do the 116 thing. Anyways. All right. We're, we're bringing back this random uh, segment question again. All right. This random question segment thing we did uh, a few weeks ago. So um, how about I start? I'll start with my random question for you both. Oh no. Who is the DPOY so far in in the season? Mm. Let's start with Vikram. Man, that's a, it's a tough question, right? I was thinking about it a lot. Yeah, I, I just don't think that there are any like runaway candidates for DPOY this year. Uh, I do like what uh, Kevin Durant has done. I do think Draymond Green is playing really well defensively. I think those two are, are two good candidates for it. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, do you have one, Guru, or should I say mine? Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Paul George is a really good candidate. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that one too. Yeah. Um, and I, I think if I were to like vote for the award today, I would probably vote for Paul George. So okay, I would give it to Joel Embiid because mm. when when the Sixers have Embiid on the court, their defense is fantastic. It's top five. But when Embiid leaves the court, oh, they are a disaster on the defensive end. Embiid has been by far, I think, like the, like the single biggest difference maker on a defense this season. He has been remarkable for Philly and offensively too. Philly goes down the drain when he leaves the court. Uh, understandably, he's, he hasn't played as many games as a Paul George or a Draymond Green or a Kevin Durant, but you can see the impact when you when you watch Philly play. You can see the impact he has on both ends of the court, and his his impact on the defensive end is pretty remarkable to have. It's like Rudy Gobert on the Jazz, very similar impact. You know, one guy makes a huge difference on that team, and that's what uh, Joel Embiid does for Philly. That's my pick. That's not that's not a bad I pick. That, I mean, yeah, I think. Uh, I think the, the even some of the the cool questions for this season will be uh, like who's who, who are the all the the first team NBA defenders who are the, you know all all NBA second team defenders. I think that's actually going to be really interesting this year. Yeah, but but with these be, yeah. with these awards, it's really not about how you start; it's how you finish. That's because also true. because the Warriors, I mean, Warriors wrote it at the end of the season. If, if you make if you can make a last impression, a final impression, then then th- this is the time to do it. This like post All Star break games are when the awards are won your random oh, yeah. question guru okay so my random question is i i like these futuristic questions and i probably sure. ask too many of them but i'm going to ask one anyway <laughs> so uh you go to sleep tonight and you wake up in 2030 it's the year 2030 <laughs> okay okay what is the first thing that you're google searching that's related to the nba you have an answer vikram or or do you, do you... Heck yeah man i got one what the hell did LeBron James accomplish in his career? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Where did no? I mean, where did where did he finish? Did he get that last championship? Did he break uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's uh, points record? Like, wow. And most importantly, what decision did he make at the end of this year? <laughs> <laughs> did he leave Cleveland? <laughs> yeah. yeah did, did he leave Cleveland? Did he go to the Lakers? Did the Lakers become the greatest team in, in NBA history? Yeah. And, like, who knows, man. I think those would those would be the, the types of things I look up. 
Okay. I would look up. I would I would get up 2030, go to Google search. What is Kevin Garnett doing? Because because what? no no because because Kevin Garnett is doing some t- ridiculous TNT show crap right now and Area he, 21. It's, it's such a, it's so awkward and strange uh, to watch. I mean it's it's very what? awkward. I love Area 21. You I, you love it? Dude, it's I'm like dude, this is this is so cringeworthy. Like Kate, you get out of this and do something else because yeah, it is, dude. I'm like this is like KG's like your favorite guy. He's my favorite player, no doubt, but Area 21 is not for him. Okay? He should he should be a coach. I think he should be a coach. He'd make a great coach, in my opinion. He mm. should be a head coach, or he should start off as an assistant coach and work his way up. That's what he should be doing. Like Area Twenty One, I love the concept and I love the guests he brings on on the show. Sure. By him, by himself, he's barely <laughs> comprehensible. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that <laughs> he's not a good host for the show, man. It's not. It's not his thing. It, media is not his thing, in my opinion. But Vikram, um, uh, what's your random question? Or hey, Guru, you want to answer your own question? Uh, oh, I, I was gonna say I was gonna say the same thing uh, Bikram said, but but it was more specific. Does LeBron did LeBron pass Kareem? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, that that would have been the question that I, other than the Warrior, like I would I probably search up the Warriors first. Yeah. How many championships did we win? Did we ever retire Steph, Clay, Draymond? Did Clay get traded? Stuff like that, right? And then, but my first like overall NBA related question would be: Did LeBron pass Kareem? Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I got one more other NBA related question because it's important. Is this your random did question, or is this some other question? NBA. Did we get an Indian guy in the NBA? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good Come one. On, We're man. all Indian. You gotta represent here. We need yeah, one of our Indian true. brothers in the NBA. That's true. Simbular 3.0. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, okay, if you can't make it to the NBA at 7-6, man, I don't know. Yeah. But what's your what's your random question, Guru? Oh, sorry, Vikram. Vikram. Uh, so my random question is... All right, so... Uh, you guys see it's semi-political because uh did you see the comment from fox uh, laura ingraham laura ingraham where she said uh, just shut up and dribble yeah uh, lebron james and, and these guys i'm wondering what do you think about nba players and just athletes in general using their platform to express their political and social views my opinion of it is that people should think for themselves so by all means if lebron has an opinion he has every right to voice it in my opinion, but people should think for themselves. They should look at all the facts and get their own opinions. They shouldn't base it off of what somebody else says, right? I mean, if LeBron says something, doesn't mean it's true, doesn't mean it's false. It just means that you should do your own research and I'm, get your own opinion. That's my opinion of it. Uh, I'll, I'll just say what I thought of, like, Laura Ingraham's statement. Like, to, to disparage somebody just because they didn't go to college is the most insane thing. Is that what she said? Yeah, because, uh, he, she, she basically said that because LeBron is, like— uh, because LeBron, you can tell like LeBron didn't go to college. I'm paraphrasing here. I, I'm not saying the exact quote. Really? But yeah, oh, because wow. LeBron did not go to college. Like he he should not be he able to have an opinion. On, and that, just, yeah. that's just absurd because LeBron has accomplished so much other than basketball. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy and he's such a great businessman for, for what he's come from, where he's come from, right? And I mean, for, for Laura Ingraham to come and say that, it's just, it's absurd. It's, it's absurd and... Uh, but I, I agree that players should be able to voice their opinions. And it's very important that they voice their opinions because they hold such a high pedestal in our society. A lot of guys listen to players. Like, I mean, we, we as fans of the game, we want to hear what LeBron has to say. We want to hear what KD has to say, right? We, I mean, we look up to them in, in a way. So they, they should have a voice. And I mean, and the more voices they have, the more uh, inspiration that others get as well to like go follow politics, even though you might be into sports, don't stick to sports, do other things as well. So yeah, uh, Vikram, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. So my big thing with this is, 
at the end of the day, everybody's got something to contribute to a conversation. You know, whether you agree with them or not, uh, disparaging somebody because of their perceived lack of education is, is very foolish, especially because Laura Ingraham has no idea what sort of trials and tribulations LeBron James has come through yep. or that other players in the NBA have come through and how many people share their stories, right? And, I mean, you look at these guys, they're success stories. There are people who made it through tremendous amounts of adversity to become the very best they can at their sport and the very best they can at their profession, right? So, I mean, they have something to say about that, and they should be able to say that. But even more, there is a perspective of human dignity here that everybody has something that's worth hearing. And we have to, as a, as a country and as a world, listen to those people because we might just learn something. Wait, and so if I, our goal is not lifelong learning, then we're doing something wrong. So, so I, I'm just, I, I didn't see the whole thing. She said because he, has a call, he didn't go to college, his opinion doesn't matter. Is that what she said? Something, something uh, along those lines. I don't know about that, but she, she said, uh, you know, he was a high school dropout, which was actually uh, that's not true. Yeah, because he actually he considered dropping out in uh, as a junior to pursue the NBA and other activities relating to basketball, but he ultimately went back to college. Or uh, sorry, went back for to high school for a first senior year of high school, and he... then went to the NBA. She said something. And, she said something along the uh, lines that like shouldn't be taking uh, like political uh, yeah, advice from somebody who who didn't go to college or yeah, was one year removed from high school. Like it's uh, something really crazy like that that just turned me off. I'm like, yeah, that's that that's way out of line there. I mean, you interview people from Duck Dynasty, like what? <laughs> okay, we're we're gonna stop being political right now because yeah. this is the Ballistic yeah. Podcast. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, oh, before we leave, quick All Star picks: Team LeBron or Team Steph? Vikram. I'm going with Team Steph. Okay. Even though I don't know if that's the case, but I just want Team Steph to win. Go ahead, Guru. If Team LeBron plays this seriously from start to finish, I think I think they're the better team. But if if they want to play that game where I mean we're gonna like leave it to the fourth quarter and see what happens, and if the fourth quarter is the actual game, then I see I see Team Steph winning because they have the three point shooters. Yeah, it was quite some analysis. Yeah, they're gonna. I, 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 I know. Probably analysis the, for the All Star game. Wow. The best thing you're gonna get. Yeah. I, since Kyrie Irving's on Team LeBron, I'm going Team LeBron. But oh come on, man. hey, you know what? At the end of the day, the All Star game is boring to watch. Okay, it's hey, always uncompetitive. Hey, Al Horford is on Team Team Steph. So oh shit, that's you're, right. You're you're leaving him out. It's okay. I take Kyrie still. He, he he got picked last by Team Steph. Yeah, was he the last pick or was Lamarcus the last pick? Both of them were the last pick for their respective. Who was teams? like the very last pick? Uh, it was Lamarcus, right? Because LeBron picked. Wait, wait, no, no. Steph picked first for the reserves. So he was the last pick for. Yeah, no, so then uh, that means LeBron was the last pick. That means Lamarcus was the last pick. So Lamarcus was yeah, the very last pick. Yeah. Wow, he was the very last pick. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, but he he, he took really? it. Like, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, who who Al Horford? I mean, I th- I think Horford's a good player, but uh, I well, I don't remember all the All Star players. But but his so. response was so my had so much spurs in him, so much dignity, right? Yeah, like so a lot much of class. Like yeah, like just glad to be here, man. True, I'm True. a spur. Yeah, I mean, he really is, right? This, yeah. is a, this is a comeback season for Lamar Saldres, so I would be happy if I was him, too. Yep, he's having a lot of fun. And with that, we'd like to wrap up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Vince for hosting us in the studio. This was a great experience. The sound quality is awesome. It's going to make for a great episode. Uh, Guru, you have any last words? It looks like you're about to say something. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Vince, and hopefully Vikram can join us in studio next time. That is definitely the hope. Uh, hopefully I can get there and... Uh... Have a good night to all of you. I hope you uh, enjoy watching the All Star Game. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still three o'clock. It's three p.m. Vikram. There's nobody sleeping right now. But anyways, <laughs> until next time, guys. Thank you and and uh, sayonara. <laughs>